Today's episode of the Gotcha 9 podcast is brought to you by our friends at Kyle's Kitchen. Kyle is open for lunch and dinner. Check out their new location in Isla Vista and keep an eye out for the Protein Grill, hopefully opening soon in Hollister Village. This episode also brought to you by Gaucho Baseball Camps and Clinics. This uh, episode is all about camps and clinics. Uh, unfortunately, Gauchos had to cancel their camps this summer, and they had to cancel their clinics this fall. We are hoping that we get those back up and running in 2021, either in the spring or in the fall. Uh, can't really say anything right now, but we're hoping that we'll get uh, – the kids back at Caesar Wasaga Stadium working on their skills. So this episode is uh, with Thomas Rowan, Tommy Jew, and JJ Muno. They have been carrying the torch for Gaucho Camps and Clinics essentially this uh, this summer and fall. They've created their own uh, youth baseball clinic skills camps and and practices, and they've been doing a great job. They're on KYT with Mike Clan. Uh, this past week and I uh, wanted to get them on the pod to talk about it a little bit more because they are learning how to coach. They are honing their own skills whilst teaching uh, the Santa Barbara and Goleta youth. So uh, that's the pod this week. Uh, let's get to T-Row, Tommy, and JJ. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America, the Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. There's the one strike pitch, and Mitchell belts the deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. He strikes out the side for the second consecutive inning, and Armani belts it to deep center. Gauchos are going to Omaha. Can you believe it? Here's the 0-2 pitch, and a curveball is swung on him. In the score is Jew. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. And the Gauchos are the 2019 champions of the Midwest. All right, today on the Gaucho 9 podcast, we are going to talk some skills work, clinics, camps, etc., etc. And I'm going to lead with this. Uh, UCSB baseball has really been a great place for youth to come and get quality instruction from college coaches and college players, of course. And unfortunately, this summer with coronavirus, we had six week-long youth camps that had to be canceled. We had a various number of high school clinics uh, youth clinics that had to be canceled. Ordinarily, in the fall, we would be we would be deep into hitting instruction, catcher instruction, pitching instruction that are normally led by the volunteer assistants on the staff uh, and are helped by helped out by players and and student staff as well. So there's been a void that we haven't really discussed on this podcast yet, and that's the uh, the presence of the Santa Barbara and Goleta youth and from the surrounding areas too, Santa Inez, uh, Carpinteria, uh, up north as well, where we've had kids come in and participate in these in these clinics and camps, and it's, it's a great way for us to reach out to the community to get little leaguers and pony leaguers to come to games, to stay after on Sundays, stuff like that, um, and come in you know, like after school or at night. And, and last year it was great in the fall because we had the lights for the first time so we could use the field in 
after it gets dark and they would go into the cage and hit, there were just lots of good things that were going on with, with the lights coming in um, and camps growing each and every year. And it's been guys like Matt Harvey, Casey Harms, Dylan Jones, Quinn Hawksworth that have been leading the uh, really just onslaught of, of the growing youth presence around UCSB baseball. And it's been great. And so this week I want to bring on three guys who are former players. They've all been on the pod already to talk about their personal careers uh, and personal experiences as gauchos. And they have currently created this uh, youth skills camp clinics. Uh, you, you guys will explain exactly what it is, but you guys have filled this void this summer and this fall by giving these kids an opportunity to get the instruction that they have been missing because little leagues haven't really been playing and they weren't able to go to gaucho camp. They weren't able to go to gaucho clinics in the fall. And so you guys have filled in and really have taken this torch and ran with it. Um, and you guys are, I mean, I've played golf with you all summer. We've got JJ Muno, Thomas Rowan and Tommy Jew. And I knew that you guys were doing this and I didn't know how big it was. And then when we saw the the article on KEYT that Mike Klan did, where and it was like, okay, this is pretty serious. And you guys have got a ton of kids and are working over at uh, Glita Valley South Little League. So I guess I want to start, like, who who's kind of the ringleader for this? Because you guys maybe were all doing stuff individually, but how did this kind of come about and who kind of organized it all so that you guys have got this collection of kids and are given instruction. Who's the ringleader? That's a great question. Uh, I, <laughs> I think it started pretty much between JJ and I, we were doing some speed, speed clinics and whatnot um, to start with some kids. And um, Goleta Valley is one of the only fields open right now. Um, so some work there. And then, uh, got to know the president and got to know kind of people on the board there and talk to them about what they've been doing or what they haven't been doing for the most part. And they were like, Hey, like we would normally have a fall program. Um, uh, people kind of canceled and bailed as we couldn't really scrimmage. So we would love to maybe have you guys run like a skills clinic and development type clinic. Um, and so that was, that was probably in like August, September when that idea started. Um, and then we were always talking to T-Row about kind of hopping on and doing some hitting camps or fielding camps or catching camps or whatever, um, just throughout the fall. And, um, so, and we know T-Row has a lot of clinic history, so it was easy to add him on. Um, and then the three of us kind of worked on it from there, but I would say JJ's the ringleader communication wise. And then I've kind of the financial person and T-Row is by far the most organized coach <laughs> I've seen in youth baseball. So he crushes it, but we all kind of work together as a team. I'd say you just labeled JJ, the great communicator. That's yeah, great. It's, I, it's I, didn't, I, didn't, thing. I didn't expect when that. It comes to, <laughs> when it comes to uh, scheduling stuff, he's actually, he's not the worst ever. Well, when you guys were talk, uh, describing the uh, the organization that you guys have, there's kind of some tiers of players, and JJ has 
the the best players, the uh, or the older players. Sometimes the, the older players are the best players. Not all the time, but uh, JJ, what what's like your group that you lead that you coach? Um, I have uh, three teams now, I guess, and I got uh, some uh, eleven and twelve year olds, and then I have some younger kids, some about uh, seven and eight year olds, maybe. Is that about right? That's about right. Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, the skill um, is different for each group and each kid individually. So it uh, presents some challenges on stuff we want to do. But for the most part, it's really basic stuff that we try to get them to understand and try to get them to enjoy kind of the basics of baseball and, you know, have a good time while they're doing it. Tom, what do you got? How do you help organize these guys how do you help organize uh, all the the kids that you have so i have two teams of about seven to eight year olds a couple of six-year-olds in there as well um i just kind of stay organized because i i know what i want to do for that practice um, and i know that those ages can get a little squirrely at times and then they could if you don't really have a set plan they could be like oh let's do this let's do this let's do this and if you don't have a plan then you can be like oh yeah let's uh, that sounds like a good idea let's actually try that and then you try that and there's it turns into um kind of a mess so if you come in there with a plan uh, i kind of learned that from harvey because i used to do all the gaucho clinics with him and just how he interacts with the little kids and stuff and uh and if you have a plan just going on what to do for the whole practice and it goes probably the most uh smooth than having just kind of a jumbled plan and he, he kind of taught me how to uh, how to talk to these kids, and it's okay to be tough with them, even if they're seven or eight years old. Um, and you really, uh, obviously, you can't really teach them the fine stuff about baseball. But if you just have them running around and keep moving and keep them entertained, I mean, my two values during a camp is as long as they don't cry um, and as long as they <laughs> uh, don't get hurt, I mean, that's a good day. So that's basically what I'm going for. Yeah, I remember working the the clinics after practice. It'd be like an hour long, and if it was a hitting session, the Matt or Dylan or Casey they would have probably like you know six stations, depending on how many kids there were and how many workers he had. You know, you try and make as big of a variety of stations as possible, so that all right, they're getting ten minutes of small wiffle balls. Then they're going in and playing target tee, and then they're doing like short toss with baseballs, like all kinds of different things, just to keep them occupied. Because yeah, let's face it, these they're they're kids, and they can be easily distracted, but they can also really hone in and and dominate whatever they're doing. Like they have both capacities. So like when you guys are meeting up for a session, I mean, it's not normal. Like it's not a, you know, organized little league at this point, not quite yet, but what's kind of the basic structure of some of the sessions that you guys have. Tommy, you want to start? Yeah, I'd say the basic structure is teaching them how to warm up. I know they're young and maybe the warm up isn't as valuable yet, but I think in the future, teaching them kind of the, the proper ways to warm up. Um, uh, we do the lower half stuff first, and then we do our woodies after something I've been doing forever now. So it's just second nature to me, but to them, it's all brand new. And so 
they complain about their shoulders burning and I'm like, this is good. It means you're warm. So teaching them that you can't just kind of, you know, touch your toes and do a little twist. Like you got to warm up properly. And again, may not be valuable yet, but in the future and then playing catch is a big deal. I think I'd say Tom and JJ would agree. Just teach him how to play proper catch and understanding that catch play is very valuable to, you know, going on in the field. I have 13 year olds and it's their first time playing on a 90 foot diamond. And the throw seems like a mile to them and it's not their fault. They're just growing, but I got to teach them to use their legs. Like you can't just use your arm anymore. You're not in the small diamond. So catch play is very important. And then um, usually do some defense, defensive work infield or outfield, depending on the day. And then I like to get them as many swings as they can at the end. We do cage work on field stuff and then usually a game game or two at the end to get the competitive juices flowing. But that's how I run mine. I think we all run it a little different though. Yeah, I mean, for personally, it's kind of the same deal. It's do a good stretch, kind of get them to know how to, like Tommy said, get them, get them to know how to stretch correctly, uh, play catch. A big thing with my age group is just being able to play catch well and not have them chasing balls all around so that's a that's a process on top of itself but um and then usually after that we'll do some sort of fundamental like we'll do like an alignment like cutoffs um or some sort of defense work where it kind of slows it down to get ground balls barehanded stuff like that um and then i usually have some sort of game in there and then i end with a uh, either rotations for offense or like an over the line and then let Barry and just have a little conditioning type of thing. But I've learned with working with these kids, especially that if you just assign points to everything and make it like a, a game out of like every single thing you do, they get way more into it. Um, so if you try to make it competitive throughout what you do, whether it's like a double play game or if it's like the water balloon toss when you're playing catch where you back up every time you catch it, um, just something that they try to, beat each other um they always get way more into it so that's my that's my plan usually throughout each practice day yeah i would say mine's the same as those guys um catches the biggest thing with these kids learning how to throw and catch and move your feet and all that stuff is kind of the most important part so i would say catch gets a lot of emphasis and making catch competitive like t-row said and making it a game kind of uh, helps them progress as uh, players. So the three of you all played different positions. Jade is an infielder. Tommy's an outfielder. Thomas is a catcher. Do you guys offer stuff specifically towards your position because you guys are so in tune with the position that you play? Do you do any like specific skill instruction, maybe on the side, like lessons where you, you got – you're teaching an outfielder stuff or you're working on blocking as a catcher or you're working on double play turns as an infielder. Do you guys do that as well? Yeah. Uh, we. I think for the most part we're trying to do stuff on the side as well to kind of help kids out and also make some money because reality of our situation with the minor leagues, if you want to, you know, keep playing in the minors, keep pursuing your goals and your dreams. You know, you're going to have to find another source of income. It's kind of what it is. 
Yeah, I, I'm thankful that I have a pretty good speed coach right now, uh, JJ and I do. So I've been kind of doing some speed work on the side, kind of using his stuff. It's very basic for 10 to 13-year-olds. Like we do as basic of stuff as we can. Um, but I've been doing a lot of that, which obviously helps me in the outfield, which is why I kind of like to do a lot. But um been doing some that on the side and then also some hitting lessons here and there. Um, no kids have asked me for outfield work yet, um, but I think at this age, they all want to be short south, which is totally fine. So um, I actually, I think I would probably do more high school stuff if it were to be outfield work, because um, you kind of got to want to pursue being an outfielder, I think, to truly get into the work, because um, it is monotonous at sometimes. I would say the outfield work is, but it can be very valuable. I'm thankful to have, you know, all the drills coach Fontino um, and harms taught me. So um, I would, I'd love to do some of that work, but mainly hitting and speed work for me at the moment. And I, I've looked into doing catching stuff. I know there's been sort of a, a, a niche for like somebody who needs to learn how to catch correctly and stuff. So uh, I've definitely looked into it. It's on, in the process right now. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to helping guys out who really want to learn about the position. So, so how many total players do you guys have? And is it all from GVSL or do you guys have them from, from all over the, the Santa Barbara community? A uh, majority of our kids are from GVSL. We have, so in our second session of this fall clinic, we had, I think 105 kids sign up. So between me, Tom, and T. Rowe, we have 105 kids. And then we have also been doing speed clinics with, you know, club teams in the area. Um, me and Tom have high school kids that we give lessons to. So a majority is it. Majority is from GVSL, but we are kind of reaching into all all areas of Santa Barbara right now. So pretty pretty wide scope. You, well, maybe 150 total kids. Yeah, I'd say around there. there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, we're getting kids from even in the Goleta Valley uh, fall program. We're getting kids from Dos Pueblos because they canceled theirs, which I didn't know. So I have probably have like four or five Dos Pueblos kids in my group, and then um, got some travel ball kids in there, um, and then obviously the little league. So got a widespread of kids. I've met a lot of a lot of great kids and. I have parts of the community I, I've never really been involved in before, so it's been cool. Yeah, definitely with what's going been going on and the coronavirus and all that, you know, parents are trying to get their kids out. And we've been fortunate enough to, well, unfortunate enough also that we haven't been able to, you know, go play and have our season. So we've been around and it's worked out where we've been kind of the only thing that kids and parents can, can get into. So it's been a good good match for us. So how many times a week do you guys meet? It, it sounds like it's varied. Um, you guys are working towards the end here, so it's probably one time a week with the time change. But when you're in the thick of things, like how many times a week are you meeting with, uh, with your groups? At the very beginning, it was three times a week. So it would be, uh, I believe, at least for me, it was Monday, Thursday, Saturday. Um, Saturday would be a focus on just going out and playing like my, the, my plan those days were just stretch, catch and play, just have them running around. Um, and then this, 
this one it's turned into it used to be just two times a week for me for thursday and saturday and now with the time change it's just gone to saturdays um so saturdays still are just going out there and playing i don't i like doing skill work with them but like they haven't played they haven't been able to play with the little league and stuff all year so i just want them to actually play the game and i don't want to bore them with all the the skill stuff yeah it's been uh started off as three times a week and now with the time change we have one one saturday left and you know with all the covid protocols and stuff like that we just have to you know make them inter squad with each other which is is a good uh, experience for them it's not as good as you know playing other teams but um it's all we can do at the moment at least they're getting out there and playing I, yeah like the rotation of sports especially when you're when you're a kid you're playing baseball in the fall then you're playing maybe you're playing football in the summer flag football or something you're playing soccer you're playing basketball i don't know maybe you're playing hockey maybe you're playing volleyball like it seems like you're always playing something and this has been a unique year and it's been unique for you guys too um so uh, the biggest thing I think is the th that you're providing for these kids is that they're just, they're outside, they're with their friends, they're playing, they're remembering their skills, they're learning new skills. And I'm curious if you guys have learned anything about yourselves, about your game specifically, uh, from teaching these kids. I mean, it, it sounds like Tom, like you've incorporated the speed work that your coach has been teaching you and you've been teaching it to them. And from my experience, I know that there's a level of of learning when you do that, where it's like you are the one who's being taught and you learn a certain level of the skill. But then when you teach it to someone else, you discover some other things as well. Has that happened for you guys just with being around the kids and teaching them specific things? Definitely. I think you can do drills and I think, um, over and over and over again and, and master them. But I think you can never see things um, from too many viewpoints. Now that doesn't mean you have to always accept them, but seeing things from the coaching standpoint has definitely, you know, uh, helped me understand my, my speed work a lot. Trying to teach kids how to run properly is like one of uh, definitely the most humbling experiences because I don't want to mess, mess them up. Right. I want to do my best to make sure that they can be their best. You know, I don't want them to go out there and, and get slower or build bad mechanics because I taught them something wrong. So definitely learning how to be really diligent with my work and my preparation when I go out and teach these kids things has definitely been um, something that's good for my game. I think just understanding what I'm getting into before I go into it is kind of a new perspective for me. And then obviously I think a big thing for me is remembering why I love the game. And that's because I started playing it at a young age, I think watching these kids have true joy when they strike a kid out is something I'm like, wow, I, I haven't had that in probably a year, a little bit longer than most with the injury, but um, just it's been awesome to kind of watch some kids have success and learn and grow and remind me of why I like to do it. Cause it's been monotonous during, during COVID uh, all the three of us, we go to the cage, we hit, we throw and that's it. That's our day. And it's, we haven't gotten to play either. So coaching them, watching them get to play a little bit and have some fun is not as good as us playing, but it's been a cool perspective 
to remember why we play the game. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's like going back to simplifying the game. Once you get older in college and pro ball, you kind of, everything goes a little faster and everything's a lot more scrutinized. And back when you're playing as a kid, you're just having fun with your friends. Um, I'm seeing my group, I'm seeing guys pitch to each other for the first time ever. Um, and they're like conquering their fears. Someone even standing in the box. And then by like the third week, they're all getting base hits and they're staying in the box. They're getting hit. And then they're, they're feeling the pain for like a minute and then they're okay. And then they're, they're over it. Um, I've seen that multiple times. Uh, so that's definitely a cool thing to see. And then just from like the coaching perspective, I mean, I, I actually had checks as a volunteer because William was one of my, William was in my group last session. And it's kind of weird because you see the stuff that checks day when you're a coach and you're like, why is he doing this? Like, this doesn't make sense. And then you're, you're in a coach perspective perspective and you're like, Oh, okay. Well, this makes, this makes sense. Now um, you kind of get the next, the next step and then you can take it. I'm going to take it into my own game when I, hopefully when I get to be able to play again and uh, be able to take everything I've learned from coaching and, um, I hopefully it'll just make me a better ball player. So I'm, I'm pretty thankful for this opportunity for sure. Yeah. I think, uh, going off all that, um, it's definitely been a really cool experience for all of us. Um, it's helped us in a lot of areas, you know, just learning how to communicate. Um, you know, there's a ton of different kids coming from different areas and being able to, uh, communicate your message across and, making so each kid can understand what you're trying to teach and being able to organize uh, schedule, you know, work with um, Goleta Valley, all that type of stuff is very valuable for us and going to be useful um, for the rest of our lives. Kind of just kind of learning um, the business side of things and how to communicate all that stuff, scheduling. It's, it's been a real good experience. Have there been any other uh, like old coaches or or uh, players or friends of yours that have helped out. It sounds like that there have been. If, if Chex was there, and the, it sounds like Cole Kles, who's a former Gaucho, he's been helping you guys out. Um, have there been any other Gauchos that have been there? Uh, those are the two Gauchos, I think, that have been there. Just because with COVID, it's tough to, uh, you know, bring more parties involved. But, um, you know, I think all of us have reached out to, you know, Harms, Harvey, you know, all these guys that we kind of learned from and um, the, the ones that mostly did a lot of clinic work and stuff like that and got advice from them. And they've definitely helped us out. And, you know, we do practice plans that we learned at UCSB, all that type of stuff. You know, everything we learned has come from Gaucho land, essentially. That's awesome. I love I love to hear it. We got you guys are, are, are crushing it. it. It was cool to see you on KYT. Uh, it's been fun hanging out with you guys in the summer. It's been a silver lining in the non-baseball summer of 2020. Um, and it's been encouraging to hear some of the things you guys are learning, some of the things that you guys are doing and carrying the torch for the Gauchos uh, this summer. And hope you guys are doing it again next summer after you guys have a, a full season or next fall, I should say, after you guys have a, a summer season. Um, that being said, what's uh, I just want to update from from the three of you guys because I know there's some fall instructs going on. 
uh, in Arizona and Florida. Um, have you guys heard anything as far as what your plans are moving forward with uh, your respective teams? Has, has there been anything positive? Facial expressions aren't great right now. <laughs> no, we don't know. I, you know as much as we know, essentially. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, been falling truck, but yeah, yeah. I think yeah. no one knows anything. Just like everything yeah. else, come on. We're we're hoping that at some point we just get the the good to go at normal spring training time. But I've I've gotten a few messages the last few weeks about starting up fall workouts and off season workouts and stuff, which is, um, I wouldn't say like a crazy symbol, but it's a it's a good sign that things are hopefully going to operate somewhat normal um, here in the off season, so we can go to a somewhat normal regular season. But Yang and and Noah. And I think a couple, I think like Armani and a couple other guys were lucky enough to go out for fall instructs. But I know that um, the Cardinals and I think like a couple other teams decided not to do any instructs. So um, unfortunately, didn't get to do anything here in the fall. But hopefully in spring we get to do something. Yeah, I'm just just ready to get the. Uh, we've been all been working really hard. We got the same trainer. We got. Um, We've been doing the camps, but have been hitting together and doing a whole ordeal. So um, we definitely have been staying busy. And whenever that time is, whenever that time comes, I mean, I think we're going to be ready. So, well, you guys kept your mind sharp. It's been a baseball focus, and you guys are ready to go. Once, once we make it through this holiday season, it'll be Hopefully. it'll be time Hopefully. to roll. And uh, show goes on. Yes, we're recording this on Monday. Uh, November 9th, it's Masters weekend. Woo! So, um, yeah, Tommy, if you just figured that out, uh, I'm, I'm surprised, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Masters weekend. Oh, I knew. In the fall. So, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be watching the Masters. We'll be keeping tabs on when uh, baseball gets started again. And uh, Gauchos have another month of practice. So, it's it's been going well. Um, I wish we could have you guys out there, but I'm I'm sorry, but but we can't. We kind of we kind of feel yeah. special. It's like we're we're practicing and there's nobody around. There's nobody around. It's like it's just us. We're just we're yeah. here get, getting our work in. So yeah, you guys got the gaucho bubble going. So yeah, we do, and uh, we miss you guys. Uh, it's good to see your faces, and uh, thanks for taking the time this morning. And um, best of luck with your last clinic day, and we'll talk to you soon. Alrighty, see ya. Thanks for having us, Cannon. Always. Thanks, guys. All right, big thanks to our sponsor, Kyle's Kitchen, and also big thanks to the three of these guys, JJ, Thomas, and Tommy, for taking some time this morning. Believe it or not, they've been busy, even though the, it hasn't been baseball, you know, professional baseball related. They have been really busy with these kids and they've been busy trying to uh, make their own lives as normal as possible, working side jobs and, and just trying to move on and hopefully getting their bodies and their minds ready for professional baseball when it comes to them. And uh, we're hoping that it comes in the spring. So I'll do it for this week. Next week, we will have uh, Chris Troy and Michael McGreevy on for a day in the life of the Gaucho, a couple of pitchers get a, a sense of what their lives are like as far as how they're treating their arms, their their diets, their sleep schedule, all that other stuff uh, that pitchers do, which are kind of weird. So we'll, we'll get into some nitty-gritty 
of uh, pitcher stuff next week here on the Gosh Nine podcast. Uh, hope you guys are enjoying the pod. It's been really fun to do each and every week, catching up with players. Um, we've got some good ones lined up down the road as we keep this thing going, as we get into the uh, the winter season. Gotchas have a month left of fall practice. So far, so good. And uh, we'll pass on any news that comes to us uh, when appropriate. So hope you're staying safe out there. Be smart. Uh, glad everybody voted. And talk to you next week. <laughs>